Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast brought to you by Baldwin Research Institute and the Freedom Model. Addiction experts Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and me, Michelle Dunbar, take on some of the most controversial topics surrounding substance use, addiction, and treatment. If there are topics you'd like to hear us discuss, books you'd like us to review, or specific questions you'd like answered, you can email us at podcast at thefreedommodel.org. That's podcast at thefreedommodel.org. Hi, Mark Sheeran and Michelle Dunbar here today. And today we're going to tackle a few questions that we get often from people who feel that AA has helped them or helped people that they know. Many people say to us, but AA has helped millions of people around the world. How can you say it doesn't work? They may even go as far as asking, didn't you both sober up in AA? It seemed to work fine for you guys. Surely there were things about AA that you did find helpful. Even when I look at my own personal experiences, many of the things that seemed helpful in theory turned out to be pretty harmful in practice. When the entire program is based on doing that very first step, which is you must admit that you're powerless over alcohol or whatever drug you're using, how can any of it that follows be helpful? Is there anything at all positive about admitting you're powerless over alcohol or cocaine or heroin or pills or video games or shopping or whatever your addiction is? Is there anything positive about admitting you're powerless over anything at all? Is there, Mark? Well, the first thing I think that people should ask themselves is, um, is it right to lie to people or, or give a misconception uh, to try to save them from themselves? And what I mean by that is, AA touts that it's a disease, that addiction is a disease. Factually speaking, it's not one. That's simply false. It's, it's not true. It's not even close to true. So the basis of what they do and say uh, is based on something that is totally and completely false. So is it right to lie to people? Have them believe something that is a myth so that they will stop drinking and drugging. And is that effective? And I think ethically speaking, uh, you know, do we tell somebody who's got the flu that they have uh, cancer, you know, much worse disease, let's say, um, you know, so that they'll stop behaving in a way that would make the flu worse? I, I, you know, maybe that's a poor analogy, but the point is I, I don't think it's right to do that. I always like to go to the truth, and the truth is, is that people have the capacity to change. And if they have the capacity to change, then AA is totally obsolete and unnecessary. So we have to get down to brass tacks, and that is, what, what stops people from uh, getting high and drinking problematically? And the solution is them. It's always them, even the people that think AA is doing it for them because there's no magic in AA. When people say AA worked for me, what are they saying? What exactly are they saying? They're saying that there was some magical power that is external to them in a meeting room in the basement of a church. There's some magic that happens uh, that changes their will. Because you have to understand, AA does base everything they do 
on the fact that you're powerless to change. You're powerless to overcome this habit you have. Think about that. You're, they literally say you're powerless and that you have to admit that and call yourself and self-label as an alcoholic, which means you're powerless with all that baggage. So is that true? No, you're not. But you have to believe in that myth. So, so I think fundamentally that's, that's the issue. The issue is, um, is there some external thing that can change the will of another human being? And uh, I would say no. Well, there's, there's a lot of people, and, and even myself in the beginning, that thought that there was, I don't know, uh, certain positives about the fellowship about being involved in a group of people that we're all working towards a common cause, which is, interestingly enough, that really aren't working towards a common cause because I'm working towards my sobriety and you're working towards your sobriety. Um, so, so now I'm kind of getting into the problems there. But in the beginning, I admitted online the other day that, um, you know, somebody asked, was there something about it that you liked? And uh, when I first went to AA... I guess I liked the idea that I was part of this special group, yeah. you know, that, that, that I, it was a, you know, it was a secret society and it felt a lot like when you're in middle school and the popular kids ask you to come over to the table to eat lunch with them. Yeah. It's important to belong. I think that, I think there's a lot of alluring and positive things about AA that make it attractive. Yeah. You know, which, uh, and what that does is it sets the stage for you to believe the mythology. Right. So if you're drinking like I drank, you get to a point where it's not, you're not drinking because you're partying. You know, you're drinking because it's become just a part of your life that becomes terribly habitual and really counterproductive. And you're seeking out that high that you once got. And you're lonely, you know. And when you get to that lonely place and you go into the AA meeting, there's a feeling of belonging which is very attractive. Absolutely. And But I'll tell you how many times, and I'm talking to the people in AA right now, um, how many times have you gone there and felt just as lonely, um, just as judged? Oh, yeah, or uh, more so. Or more so. Or just simply that something was not right about the whole, the whole thing. And, but you're willing to push that aside like I did sometimes for years, like I did. Waste years of your life pushing aside your, your, your intuition that, God, I don't need to be here. There's got to be a different way. Now, we've codified the way to leave AA in the Freedom Model. We gave all the information that we've talked about in all our different podcasts. It's there. You can, you can leave AA today. You can move on completely. And, and you'll have all the facts of why it's beneficial to do so. But, but that alluring part, that feeling of belonging, being in a special clandestine club, uh, this feeling, I call it the junkie pride. You know, you have this common problem. Now, it's interesting because that kind of motivation only lasts so long because when you delve into a problem, it begets more problems. And um, what I would dare say is, what did people do before AA, did they all die? Did they all die? Before the mythology of disease came on, on the picture in the 1800s, did everybody die? 
from drinking. No, they got over the problem. We know that. We know from research that, that people just moved on. That the belief system was that you moved on. So if you took away the alluring facts of, of AA, the alluring part that keeps you trapped there, that keeps you coming back, and you got rid of that, then you would see all the myths for what they are. It would stand out terribly. And that's why people leave after a period of time, because the alluring part goes away. Yeah. Yeah. There are other things, too, that I felt like in the beginning might have been a little helpful. Um, there are many people who join AA, and the God part is, is somewhat of a comfort for them, um, you know, thinking that, you know, I, I'm, you know God's going to fix me, that Santa Claus God. Yeah. Um, you know, not not trying to offend anyone because I know you know religion is 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 very uh, a personal thing, um, but he does have have a God where if you do everything right, um, he's going to bestow upon you one more day of sobriety. And I mean, there are there are people who join AA and then get kind of sucked into different you know religious cults as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. You know, and then and 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 then. Go back to AA as you know to try and bring people into their religious cult with them. It's it's a, a real breeding ground for that sort of thing because for people that are in religious cults, they're trying to save your soul, and their soul depends on saving your soul, yeah. and which is a really how AA is set up. Yeah, it's set up as a as a pyramid scheme. It's the the requirement to work with others is set up in the dogma, and that is your sobriety is dependent on how much you work with others because the theory goes that one alcoholic works with another alcoholic uh, and that that's the only way that we can be effective with drinkers or drug takers. Um, again, that's one of those myths that Bill Wilson just came up with because it was a foolproof way of keeping the bodies coming into AA. If you make the, the requirement that you work with others and that one alcoholic is, is the only effective way uh, to stay sober is to work with another alcoholic, then you, then you create a closed loop. You create right. a, a system, a pyramid scheme that is constantly flowing people in uh, based on the fear of drinking again. If I don't work with another alcoholic, I'm going to drink again. Oh my God, I better work with another alcoholic and, and do my service work and get my points with God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this in a flippant way. This is serious stuff. I mean, I did it. I went to 3,000 AA meetings. I know the system. I was one of the gurus. I was one of those doing service work. It's not service work. It's you're a slave to a myth. And the myth in, in this case is that one alcoholic uh, works with another alcoholic as the only method to remaining sober. Uh, the reality is you can remain sober just by deciding to. Yeah. And, and that's been thrown out of our culture. And and people in AA laugh at you when you say that. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I, I'm just going to stop. I say, yeah. Yes, if you prefer yeah. drinking less, you will. Because when you came to AA, you were the person that stopped yourself from drinking. The meeting didn't do it. There was no magic there. That's what's so important. People don't get that point unless you repeat it over and over. And then the light bulb goes on. They go, oh my God. Yeah, I did decide. Right, right. Now, I read some somebody in response to some stuff I've read online. Um, somebody said, well, you know, how is it bad to figure out your character defects and, and go make amends to people? How, you know, isn't that good for people to do? And I can tell you from my personal experience um, that 
I already felt like a failure. I already felt like I was a terrible person when I got there. And so what that part of it did was make me think for a very long time, even after I left AA, that everything that happened in my life, that everything people did to me, that everything that was all my fault. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing to look at your part in something necessarily, but I do think you're set up for uh, being a punching bag or being, you know, basically called a, um, you know, being the scapegoat, which I ended up being in my family, um, when you, you take on the, the persona that the whole world rests on your shoulders, that, that everything, you're not allowed to be angry. I can remember thinking that a million times. Oh. I'm not allowed to, if I'm angry, it's me. And, and for me, that was absolutely damaging. That was something I struggled with probably up until about a year ago, um, where I genuinely thought that, that anything that happened was my fault, which is a really just a kind of a self-absorbed way of thinking when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it is really damaging stuff. Um, it, it's, not, it's never bad to admit your wrongs. No. I mean, that's that's common sense. Yep. It gets into this weird place in AA when they tell you that you have to formally go back to everybody you harmed oh, when yeah. they're not asking for it. That's right. Okay, these people that you love, that, that you were in relationships with, that you harmed, business associates, they're not asking for you to come back and make an amends. If they did that, if they said, you know, it'd be nice if you said sorry. Well, then you're invited to say sorry, and you should. Right. But when you show up at the door because you want to absolve your own guilt um, and bestow your guilt upon another person that isn't asking for it so that you feel better so you won't drink again. See, there that is again. There's the Yeah. Myth. If you don't do this, you'll drink again. See, all of this, all of this is predicated on this idea that alcohol has some power over you. And that it's like a hammer being wielded over your head and that you have to perform these ways to gain God's grace. And it's just not true. It becomes true. So a lot of times in social media and, and places where people are commenting about the podcast, they say these things because they're coming from a personal point of view of being immersed in it, in AA. And I get that. But if you can just for a little while assume that, yeah, there's no need to make amends to people that aren't asking for it. You know how you make amends? Get your shit straight. Yeah, Get stop your... treating people badly if that's what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, I, I came to grips with that. That um, I went and made formal amends to some people, and they freaked on me. I mean, they were like, how dare you You know, come back here and do this? Because I'd really hurt these people. They weren't asking for my presence. They didn't want me around. So... It was really disenchanting. When I when that happened, I was like disillusioned, freaked out. I cried. I, I can remember it was really, really damaging stuff. And basically it unearthed a tremendous amount of guilt that I was a piece of shit kid. And 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 frankly, some of what I did was. And, and but you know what heals that time? Yeah. Leaving people alone that you've hurt. Yep. And then waiting for the time when they say, you know what, I'd like you to say sorry. Because they will, when they see you get your act together and you rebuild your life and you just move on from the drinking, those, those opportunities exist. And it's on their terms, not yours or AA's. Yeah, I, I was a sorry sayer. I mean, that, that's something that I did, you know, even as a substance user. So for me, going back to make amends would have just been more of the same, 
you know, nonsense. Um, you know, sorries don't mean a whole lot if you continue the behavior. And, and you know, but but then the, there's oh, you know, so and so went back out. Well, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. Yeah. And it's like, no, they they thought drinking would be fun. They thought it would feel good. They thought it would be something that they wanted in their life again. It didn't have anything to do with what they did to their you know their spouse twenty years ago. But here's the problem. And, and I want to make this point because what Michelle just said was really important. Factually and realistically speaking, it has nothing to do with those things because whether you had a bad marriage and drank, they are not inherently connected. And we deal with this. We call it learned connections in, in the freedom model. The, those things aren't inherently connected. In other words, people, everybody that has a bad marriage doesn't drink. If that was true, then they would be inherently connected. They would actually be causal. So... They're not causal. and But here's the problem. NAA makes it causal. It makes it so that if you behave poorly, the hammer of alcohol will bear down right. on you. And when you believe that, it becomes true and relapse becomes something of a very big part of your existence all of a sudden. Wherein if you had not been a part of AA and, and had all these uh, life issues connected to your drinking, Right, that concept that the depression causes me to drink. You're only as sick as your secrets. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If you have a secret, you're going to drink. If you have any guilt, you're going to drink. If you have a bad marriage, you're going to drink. If you, your mother dies, you're going to drink. If people didn't drill all of that into your head, and you never, you were never exposed to any of that, how would you drink? Well, you would accept the fact that you drink because you like it. You prefer it more than not drinking when you drink. It's that simple. So we had to spend uh, you know, 450 pages in the Freedom Model dismantling this mythology, this whole structure of AA that is based in Bill Wilson's mind, which is a cult. It's designed to keep you entrapped in it. And, and you putting your dollar in the basket, you buying the books, and that's how they have a high rise in Manhattan. Most people don't know that. They have a prudent reserve of tens of millions of dollars. Just look at their books. They're a not-for-profit. It's not free, you know? They But they need the bodies to keep coming in AA. That was what it was designed to do through fear. So you don't have to fear alcohol because alcohol is a simple sugar. It has no power. It has no soul. It has no volition. It has no mind of its own. It's your mind. You. You're the one that chooses to drink or not drink or how you're going to drink or have problems. And also, you're the person that chooses to believe in the mythology that AA is selling. So it's really important to understand what that mythology is. I guess that's my point. Yeah, and and the, probably the last one, because I'm kind of going through the steps here, uh, the last one to tackle is the service work, um, which Mark already talked about, and that is, you know, yeah, I suppose it's it's not a bad thing to try and help other people. Um, you know, volunteering is a great thing. I've, I've volunteered in a lot of different areas of my life and, and I found it very rewarding. And then there are times when I, I found it very stressful and it took away from what I was doing in my home that I had to stop. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, when I was, I, I like Mark sponsored a lot of people in the years that I was there and, and some of it was wonderful. I met wonderful people, and some of it was awful. And and I and awful. I was I allowed myself to be abused by people, 
um, and used by people um, and uh, you know people stole from me and they you know you, you kind of put yourself out there and then somebody steals from you and then you know another member goes well what is your partner it's, yeah my partner is I was dumb enough to let him stay in my house overnight <laughs> <laughs> that was my partner um, you know well, everything happens for a reason let's not even go there <laughs> um, but but it it's so so you know I think it's a nice thing to help people but I definitely don't feel as if you know AA members are qualified to help people with a lot of the things they try to help them with I agree completely I think here's the again we're going to go back to the fundamental issue and that is Bill Wilson's version of of service work is that if you don't do it you will drink again right <laughs> and that's just... so it's a total self-serving motivation right from go which is which creates a whole host of problems yeah it, it, look it, it's it's and i always talk about this if you have a stream of water and the source of it's contaminated everything downstream becomes contaminated this idea that we must serve to gain god's grace in order to not drink those three steps right there, those three ideas, is simply not factually correct. No. Right? But once believed, become reality to the person that believes them. So you take on that belief, and all of a sudden, you become like my mother, where she has 12 children, I was the last, and you never saw her again. Because right. she was, we had strange people at our house during Christmas time because they were more important than her children because her recovery had to come first. And now I'm not saying this in a resentful way. I'm 48 years old, I've gotten over it, but I gotta tell you, when I was a kid, I hated those people. And, yeah. then, and then I became my mother. I became the sponsor, the guru. And you know what? It wasn't fun. It wasn't because the people I was sponsoring, like Michelle said, a lot of them were just there to take. And I, I was doing it to stay sober. And inside, I was going, this doesn't make sense. I, I don't... I don't I, need to do this. I don't need to do any of this. I, I'm, I, 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 both of us knew before we went to a, our first meeting that we were done. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I had made the decision. And here's the craziness. Michelle brought up this whole thing with people, you know, said online, didn't you go to AA? Didn't, isn't that where you got sober? I got sober within myself, just like every other human being, whether they go to AA or not, does it. They do it because they choose it. But because I was steeped in the AA model since I was That's a little right. boy, I felt like I needed to do this formal act of going to meetings to punctuate or somehow validate my decision to stay sober. Then I adopted the craziness. I went and then I fully embraced the cult. Because I thought I was supposed to. Yes. Now we have an entire culture that does it. Everybody says, treatment works, treatment works. Treatment doesn't work. Treatment doesn't do anything. As a matter of fact, your success rate is lower than doing nothing. What did people do before treatment existed? They got over the problem. Yes. Yes. So I, somebody asked me, you know, do you feel like AA contributed in any way to your life today? And the truth of the matter is, what it did for me was it brought us together. Yeah. That's the only thing AA did was it allowed my father to meet Mark at a meeting. And then I met Mark. I met my husband. Um, but Mark and my husband already knew each other. 
Um, and so this, it allowed a group of people to come together that could, that could question it and see, um, maybe this part of it is wrong and maybe this part of it is wrong. And, and eventually over the last 30 years, we learned that all of it is wrong. Yeah. We dismantled each piece and parcel and, uh. We broke it down. We, it's all in the freedom model. If, I'm telling you, there is no book necessary to get away from AA except you read, you read the freedom model. You don't need any other books or methods. You can move on with your life. That's why we call it the freedom model. You can just move on. What's holding you back, the people in AA, the people around AA, the people struggling with addiction who are in and out of AA, or treatment and or treatment or those struggling in recovery all those people you read the freedom model and it's going to make so much sense we spent 30 years testing retesting every little piece of that model until we figured out exactly how it worked why it worked the way it did what was the motive behind it and what is the truth that refutes it and uh, that's the beauty of it. And, and so you, you don't have to read the whole damn thing. You can find in the chapter headings the problem you have, the belief you have, and how we challenge it with research and show you that there's a way out. And you can change your preference for drinking and drugging and move on with your life. Um, the truth does set people free. It, it really, really does. does. And it that's really not does. a religious thing. That's just a fact. Yeah. Look it. If you feel, if you're an AA now and you feel it's working for you, you should absolutely keep doing it. Yep. We're, we're not talking to you. Um, we're talking to the 90% plus who leave AA. Most people leave AA within one month um, and the vast majority leave within one year. And that's because it doesn't resonate with them or do they, say they decide they want to keep drinking or many of them just you know, go back to their lives and decide, I think I don't need this. Yeah. I think I can stop. I mean, based on the numbers, most people overcome the problem. That's right. So, so, but if you're in AA and it's working for you and you think it's great and you think it's the best thing you've, that's ever happened to you, by all means, I, more power to you. I think you should keep doing it. Um, you know, but if you left and, or you've been struggling and you're in and out and you're told you're not working the problem hard enough. You don't want it bad enough. Uh, if people keep citing that, what is that, the third tradition, the only requirement for membership is desire to stop drinking. You obviously don't have it. Um, yeah. What These snarky things that happen. And uh, believe me, I've seen the judgments. I know what happens in these meetings when people struggle and they keep going in and out. Um, don't keep that madness going. There's no reason to keep keep trying something and beating your head against the wall. The problem is not you. That's right. That's right. The problem is you don't understand that you're free and always have been. You don't understand. You've been told things that keep you trapped. And that's why in the Freedom Model we talk about, you know, escape the treatment and recovery trap. And recovery trap. That's important. This whole recovery thing. There's nothing to recover from. You're not diseased. Right. There's, there's, no, there's no mental disease happening. There's no metaphorical disease happening. There is just a tremendous misinformation gathering that's happened. And it's taken 70 years to build in our culture until now. People don't know. I mean, they're literally taught it in grade school I that know. drugs have powers. It's craziness. It's insanity. And the only thing it's done is increase the rates and, 
uh, of substance use and, and made children younger at, at their use. So, um, so you can be free of all that. You can just move on. Yeah, you don't need AA or treatment to stop heavy substance use. All you need is to know that you're free. All you need is to know the truth. But with that said, you, you absolutely have the power and ability to stop right now within you, but I understand feeling as if you can't. Oh, I, I understand it well, too. I understand being totally hopeless, and in my case, uh, almost feeling like I needed to end it. I mean, we understand. We do. And so if you want to talk to somebody... We're literally here seven days a week, including holidays, um, at our toll-free number, 888-424-2626. You, there's a good chance you'll get myself or Mark uh, at that number. And we have Carla is wonderful. She'll help you. She's been with us a very long time. Um, and it doesn't cost anything to call us, you know, and just, just let us know what's going on. And, or if you've gotten the book and you have questions about the book, we're happy to talk, answer your questions. You can also email us at podcast at thefreedommodel.org. Um, thank you so much for listening today. We really, we're here to help you. Um, and uh, we hope everybody has a, a wonderful Thanksgiving um, and a great holiday season. We'll be back in a couple weeks. And if you can, if you want to, if you like our podcast, I guess there now there's a way to subscribe. Yeah, um, it's called the Addiction <laughs> Solution Podcast. Just so, so you know. Hit the subscribe button and then you'll know every time a new podcast comes out. That's right. Have a great night. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Solution Podcast brought to you by The Freedom Model. You can send your questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to talk about to podcast at thefreedommodel.org. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends. If you are struggling or you know someone who is, The Freedom Model can help. Call 888-424-2626 or go to thefreedommodel.org to see which option may be right for you. If you're specifically seeking a residential retreat, you can check out SoberForever.net. Once again, that's SoberForever.net.